Hello out there in the NHI Podcast Listening Network. This is Julio Cotto at the National Hispanic Institute, joined by Ernesto Nieto, president and founder of the organization. We're uh, chatting here at the Annex, uh, also known as Esther's Hall, at the headquarters of NHI in Maxwell, Texas, just south of Austin. And we're doing a series of conversations uh, on the great debate topics for the 2018 summer and this conversation is about the mock trial topic. Now, first, mock trial uh, is a kind of condensed version of a of a legal proceeding that we would see in court or we often see on TV. There's a lawyer, there's a witness, and there's always someone that's put on trial. And in the case of the NHI game, there isn't a constitution or a, a municipal code, but what we do have is this social utility code that acts as the community law that gets scrutinized and evaluated by the attorneys and witnesses. So we're going to get in right into this conversation. Um, the students in the game get a multi-page case that has a, a list of stipulated facts, some definitions, uh, some formatting, very similar to uh, a legal proceeding. But what we focus on is what's called the issue proper for trial. And so this year, it is the finding and order of the Latino Community Court that the only issue proper for trial is the following. The prioritization of the adoption of the social label Latinx is inconsistent with the values and goals of the Latino community found under Article 11, the social utility code. Specifically, its prioritization by community leaders and organizations is inconsistent with the article. And then we have our social utility code uh, which I'm going to read here, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you know what's at stake here. So in our article, it's broken up into a couple sections. It's called the, the Community Social Utility Code. Uh, section 1, Community Systems, Practices, Approaches to a Problem, Responses to an Opportunity, Beliefs, Ideologies, and Attitudes are just to the extent that they serve and promote the community's general welfare. They are unjust to the extent that they injure it or detract from the community's general welfare. In section two, factors to be considered by the court in determining community social utility. In adjudicating the social utility of a community system, approach to a problem, ideology, belief, or attitude under section 11.01, .01, the court may consider one or more of the following factors, one or more. A, whether it is in the rational self-interest of the whole community. B, whether it promotes the social, economic, political, intellectual, and cultural progress of the whole community. C, whether it promotes justice, meaning that it renders each individual his or her due. D, whether it promotes the cultural values of the community. E, whether it promotes the life, liberty, and happiness of the community as a whole and F, whether it encourages Latinos to seek answers and solutions from within the community before seeking answers and solutions from outside institutions. So that is the, that is the, that is the law, and the question is whether it's being broken or not. And what we're talking about, again, is the, the folks who are promoting and prioritizing the promotion of this term Latinx. So what really is the conversation? I know it's not really whether this term is good or bad, 
uh, which I know could be the, the, the initial way that a lot of students may take it of Latinx is good, Latinx is bad. That's not really what we're talking about here, is it? Well, before I answer that, um, as you were quoting the, the printed information, uh, I have the sense of humor that some people will find funny, others won't. But I go back to my old barrio of Houston and Magnolia and Northside. And as you were going through all of the technicalities, one of my buddies, Frank de la Portilla, El Red, would have said, ¿Qué dijo el vato? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know mock that... Mock trial isn't for everyone. <laughs> I know mock trial is a very technical, attorney-like experience for kids. And uh, and I, as you were reading it, I could see the parents' eyes going, what are they saying? This is just too involved. This is just too complex. Explain it to me in simple terms. Well, then, that's what I would like to do first, is, is that the, the idea behind mock trial has little to do with law and more to do with process and procedure and, and being able to show evidence that holds water under some particular guiding principles. I need to thank a guy named Paco Gonzalez from Edinburgh, Texas, Francisco Paco Gonzalez, who came up with a utility code. That's his writing. That's his contribution among many to the work of the National Hispanic Institute. Years ago, we continue using that today. So, Paco, if you're out there, as you always have been, thank you from the bottoms of our heart for your amazing contributions to the work of this organization. Now, let's go beyond this. What parents, what are Students, what are we saying here? What is what is on the table? It is a way in which a disagreement, a claim, is taken to court with the intent of proving injury, or with the or with the intent of proving inappropriateness. In this case, the word Latinox, Latinx, is a word that the 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 uh, the uh, the attorney is claiming the. Uh, they're claiming that the prioritization of the term is causing a harm and injury. You're going to have to edit term. some of this out. Uh, let me just kind of repeat it here. The it's, 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 help me out here. It's not the defendant attorney. Is the is the defendant the plaintiff? Okay, this is a case in which a plaintiff attorney is is again making a claim that the use of that word is inappropriate. Now, and it, and it does not fulfill the spirit and intent of the utility code of the National Hispanic Institute. Now, there are a bunch of made-up bodies up here. There, there's, NHI has assumed a court system and assumed authority and defining what is in the best interest of the Latino community through the contributions of Paco Gonzalez, and you've already listed them. And so the intent, the intent of the plaintiff attorney is to prove before the court that harm has been done or could potentially be uh, uh, caused by an inappropriate use of that word. The purpose of the, defend, the defense or the defendant attorney is to counter that argument, right, and to show and demonstrate that it is, in fact, that the argument is either not appropriate or that it fulfills the intent. So there's two things to prove here, and I think the defendant attorney can go either way, either to dismantle the argument of the plaintiff attorney, which is very similar to Cross X, or to show how it adheres to the principles that were read out. Or both. 
and are both. And so they do that through the use of, of testimony, and the, and, and, and the testimony is provided by their partners, right, who, who act in what capacities? As witnesses. As witnesses, exactly. And so the witness must be very adept at listening to the arguments and adjusting, adjusting their, the substance of their information into deliverables that either support or attack the, the argument on the table. What I find interesting about this, just as in terms of the, the work of the National Hispanic Institute, is that those things have gone on today. Earlier I was thinking, historically, should I say, earlier I was thinking that back in 1926, uh, because of the popular notions that are going on right now on TV and uh, a lot of the examples of racism and things that we're encountering that have nothing to do with Latin, Latinx, but it has to do with labels which is what we're talking about here. A guy by the name of Texas Senator John Box in 1926 used very much similar similar terminology that we see on radio and TV today about Mexican-Americans. Very similar denigrating uh, uh, terms that, that belittle and embarrass an entire population. We're not talking about that in the, word, in the use of the word Latinx. What I think is important here is to determine what is its role. And in determining its role, does it fill or fulfill one or more of the items mentioned on the utility codes? Well, and then even does more, it accomplish that end? And more specifically, the way it's framed is about not just the term as much as prioritizing that term and promoting that term and and, and, and maybe even using that word to replace what exists. Yes. Right? The term Latino or the term the term Hispanic or a kind of a supercharged label that's supposed to be all-inclusive. Now, someone would have to argue to me personally the advantages of that. It, it is not a grammar thing. It is not just a label thing. There are social implications behind that. Someone would have to argue to me that the use of that term amplifies and promotes and unifies Latino community work and that it is an appropriate modern-day term given the directions of our nation, given our intent to become international. And that's something that, that we need to be quite aware of. The Latino community of the United States is growing in its international reach. We no longer see ourselves simply as Latinos in the United States, we see ourselves as an emerging hemispheric influence. And so the word Latina, Latinx, you know, has to prove that it promotes that direction, not simply state that it does, but prove through, through some form of utility definition that it is to our advantage for society, in this particular case, Latino society, to embrace that term. And therefore we should prioritize its use and promotion and, 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 and marketing and books and literature and everything that we do. I don't know whether it would hold any water. I'm going to be interested in I see how, how the students deal with that. But, but it's certainly, and the other thing that I think is very, it's just no different than the argument over whether we're the United States or America. You know, there is a big difference in saying we're part of America and someone's going to say, what part, North America, Central America, South America, or all of the Americas? Well, no, we mean America. Well, what do you mean by that? 
It's the same argument being posed. And why is it to our advantage? I would argue that we're not just America. We are the United States. Now, that has a different social implication. When you go, we are the United. United means united many people. Many people comprise this society. And so I prefer to use United States. I'm a member. I'm a citizen of the United States versus I'm part of America. Because America means very little to me. I'll start that it's connected to Central and South America. It's a geographic. And it's really North America. And if you say just North America, well, then you have to include Mexico. And then you're going to have that other argument. And then even Mexico is the United States of Mexico. Right. But we call it Mexico. We call it Mexico, right? We we eliminate half the name. <laughs> so we're break, right back to labels and and its usage and its confusions and its and its distinctions and those things. Now, what that word? I'm going to come back to that word. Prioritization is key there because I, again, I don't think we're trying or we're encouraging the students to get caught up on the value of the term, or in the sense of is it a good term? Is it a bad term? As much as should we prioritize? Should we make this a major community effort. priority and effort and everybody needs to get around it? And I think that, that that's part of the conversation that I think they may get, that could get lost uh, and, and de- instead debate whether this is a good or bad term. You know, it could be presented as a direction. It could be presented because there's so many people from so many different Latin American countries that are, that are, that are, migrating and immigrating into the United States that I doubt very seriously whether people from El Salvador are ever going to give up their identity or from Argentina or from Panama or the DR or wherever. Uh, I think that that progressively we end up at a particular point as our paths cross Mexican and other other communities and Mexican-Americans and people from other parts, other parts of the of the world Latin Spanish speaking world. I think that the use of the term Latinx may be may be something to consider, but someone would have to make a major case for it as to what is its advantages from the standpoint of economics, from the standpoint of politics, from the standpoint of social movement, from the standpoint of education, from the standpoint of health. Values, yes. uh, history, yes. culture. Will and it, and will, I think will that it, that's... Will it submerge our individual histories? And and that may be a danger at that point because, you know, your history in Pennsylvania and the Northeast is very different from my history in Houston and South Texas. And I would never want as much as you would never want your history. And what brought your family from Puerto Rico to the United States over here, meaning not that Puerto Rico is not part of the United States, of course it is, but as a culture, what it, it, it was transplanted, in your case, over to New York, over to Pennsylvania. You don't want to lose that sense of history and that, and that sense of understanding of what happened, what were the experiences that have led your family to this point. The term Latinx, Latinx, may submerge that. And if, you, if, they, if it can't make an argument for my individual journey, then it may stand a chance of losing it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a refreshing conversation. I think that for us, it was a, an opportunity to, to engage our students in a very real community conversation. And I think what we saw uh, in preparing it and discussing even the project administrators is that right now, this is a very, this isn't as much, this is probably the least hypothetical of the topics and that right now, this is an ongoing debate. 
in the Latino community or Latinx community. I mean, right there. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, is it primarily a professional level or is it primarily a college argument? Is it primarily on college campuses? Uh, I've, I think I've tried that, to understand it in that context. I think that that's what everyone's going to have to kind of unpack. And I think that even in us preparing the topic, you had to unpack that it's a term that's quickly gaining traction in all those spaces. Um, there are some reports that it was created by students. Um, academia is already absorbing it. Definitely more progressive or liberal groups or those that would define themselves yeah. that are adopted. And I it. think it's also more politically correct for universities to go around sponsoring graduation parties that are Latinx oriented. It, it seems to be the appropriate modern thing but to do. But there are conversations, um, even controversial ones, about the value system it's rooted in or the justice that this term potentially brings to people of different genders or of different ways of identifying themselves. But then there's the question of the history and tradition of Castellano, of this very ancient language and the rules that govern it for centuries. So again, Time, Newsweek, journals, this term is, it's out there. And, you know, wrong. And so for us, again, it's not so much, I think, the, is it good or bad? as much as should we prioritize this conversation right yeah. now? And it also may be interpreted as an intent, an in, and, and a subtle intent, and yet firm intent, to bury the past and, and bury a history of, of what is, it's meant, what it's meant to be Latino and American of Latino background or Hispanic background or Mexican-American or Puerto Rican background has not been a pleasant experience in this country. And, and to merely use a term that could potentially just bury that history and overlook what happened, that would give meaning to future generations and give insight to what was really justice in this country uh, would be a crime in my view. But I don't know that that's what Latinx means. And I, I don't think, I, and I think that's, again, part of a, the conversation we want to hear because I don't think that anybody knows <laughs> too much what it all means, but it's, it's going on. It's being used. Um, I think it's being examined. I think people are asking themselves. I think one of the observations we made here as a team was that it's this concept of you're having to make a choice or people being put on the spot to choose or, well, do you support this term or do you not support this term? Do you use this term? And so I think for us, it's more the reaction to this social force of all of a sudden, Latino journals and articles are all being consumed by this one conversation. Yeah, and it could be very much a similar phenomenon as white people have gone from being Germans and being Irish to being white or being Anglo. They've had to deal with similar kinds of issues. I'm not familiar with their history, with the arguments behind it or the conflicts or whatever it might have caused, or even among religions and Protestants. You know, there's the overall label of Protestant versus Catholic and their implications there of all kinds. And we're struggling with similar kinds of uh, dynamics in our own community. I just, I get worried at times when that argument comes up that it may be something to, some, to supplant a history. Because you earlier talked in another segment about the term Chicano. I am very proud of the word Chicano for one very simple reason, is that it took a lot of courage and a lot of guts for little 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds to lift their voices, which is very much what we saw in Florida with the shooting in Florida, shootings in Florida. It took a lot of emotion and a lot of courage 
for these child, their children to raise their voices against the violence of guns and kind of terrorist behaviors that we're watching on TV. Even today in Santa Fe, Houston, near Houston, there was a killing, right? And so it took a lot of courage for these. I don't want that submerged to where it's no longer recognized or it's simply a footnote in the journey of Latinos in this country. And for that reason, if any other term submerges it or doesn't recognize it and doesn't respect its origins and its place in our annals of history, then I'm against it. If it promotes it, if it, if it brings it up, if it admires it, and if and we can show the, the need at times to be courageous uh, and at times when, when maybe we face controversies, then I'm fine with it. But if it does the opposite, then I'm not fine with it. The game of mock trial... Um, is definitely a, a high-powered, fast-paced event. Um, it's very complex. It's got a lot of rules and a lot of a lot of words and a lot of the formatting alone can be a little intimidating. But having seen it for years, um, to you, the mock trial experience is going to benefit these students how in the future, especially for their parents. If their kid's a mock trialer, what can they expect positively at, from that experience? Well, I, I think what's really important and 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 uh, to to note about any kind of exchange of that nature is that you want to in a way remove the emotion of an argument that has or a presentation that may have more than one way of looking at it from the emotional to the practical and to the statistical and to the critical examination of what's on the table if if we can get our young people to be emotional about things but also break it down in ways that it has critical thinking. It, it, it argues for, and you can substantiate with facts and figures and, and professional or uh, authoritative testimony. If you can support your arguments for something, then you'll do that in behalf of the community as a community leader in the future. It won't be just all, all cops are racist or all cops are against whatever, right? If there's a, if there's a circumstance in the community that's, that's unlawful, then you, you'll be able to, as a leader, whether you're a civic leader or a political leader or otherwise, be able to make a case in a cogent way, fact-based, fact with an intent, with a strategy, and knowing that you're going to be countered by an op opposing point of view and knowing how to break down those arguments to make your point and hopefully uh, dominate the argument and prevail in your argument. Those are very important skills that leaders need, not just loud voices and a lot of shouting and a lot of emotion. I, you know, I think it was with Carlos Paz, who works in in Washington D.C. with con congressional leaders. We spoke about how you know this mock trial and, and, and to some degree the whole great debate of having to explore all the sides of an argument because in the game that coin toss, you may be defense three times in a row or you may switch up every round, but the art of having to understand the other side, even something that you may personally disagree with is like a real art of statesman, of, you know, of real statesmanship. And I don't know that you learn that all the time in school, or like you said, people are just agree, disagree, yes. but there's no real critical thought of, do I really agree or do I agree fully or to what level? And I think the mock trial game really forces you to, it almost creates this habit of looking at all sides of everything. It takes the politic out. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're looking at... And the at, bias. Yeah, and all the bias that's involved. Right now, we're looking at... There was a conversation about the possibility of an impeachment. 
And they were talking about the founding fathers' requirement that two-thirds of the Senate had to vote to impeach and that it was a long, complex process. And the reason for it is the importance of that act, that we did not want to act flippantly and driven only by emotions and driven only by what we believe to be true, but that we had to be factually driven in a way that we could promote enough of, an, of enough evidence to support the removal of a president, the most powerful position in the world, and that that could not be reduced to some simplistic argument. That is the importance of mock trial, is teaching children that arguing and arguments of that nature that we reach points and negotiating change for the community or, or addressing issues that affect our quality of lives, that we must be well-designed in our intent, well-informed, and know how to position an argument to make an argument because we're not talking about easy human matters here that can be settled easily. We're talking about change is very difficult, very complex, and it affects many people. And once a policy decision is made that, that affects a lot of people, you affect a lot of lives. And so that's why it's got to be done with a lot of diligence, a lot of study, a lot of patience, and a lot of, and a, and a lot of intent to prove that it's in the best interest of society. And evidence, you know, that's one thing about this game, too. They, they need to bring facts to the table and research and to reinforce. So, right when you mentioned this. The, the news story you heard, I heard a similar one. So I started thinking maybe we have the same evidence packet because yes. uh, I heard a, a very similar argument about they were just talking about how James Madison built in complexity into the into the Constitution. So that kind of a lot of the same things you said. So I think part of the trick is to trying to also imagine what other sources your competitor may actually try to use to, to beef up or weaken your argument of beef. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up because let's we can make this our final point. The 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 testimony, the 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 witness testimony, can't be opinion driven. Just I believe this to be true, you know. And sometimes in our great debates, I see some of that as a person that's introduced as a as an expert on a particular topic or subject, will will merely assert something and then driven by simply well as an expert. It makes it correct because I am an expert on these matters, right? And 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 they're not they're not challenged to prove and to show evidence and to provide facts to support whatever opinion they're bringing to the table. And I think it's very important for our coaches to make sure that, however the mock trial takes place, that the witness piece part of the program be fact based, be authoritative based and that it supports what's being uh, advanced as an argument and that it's not simply opinion based so that so that so that the preparation has to take place and we need to be prepared to support whatever we say with much more than just our opinion or our feelings we look forward to hearing the trials uh, at this summer great debates that were going to take place all over the country we wish the best to the coaches and trainers uh, and parents helping their their students along with a preparation of multiple arguments and coming up with evidence. Uh, we look forward to hearing the, this trial debated before our very eyes. Uh, we know we will be streaming a lot of the final trials as we uh, head into the summer. Again, this is part of a series of conversations we're having here at NHI Maxwell. Uh, in addition, uh, in 
preparing more additional resources for great debaters as they prepare for the summer. We look forward uh, to seeing everyone this summer. And once again, we thank you for listening to the NHI Podcast Network. For more information on the National Hispanic Institute, please visit our website, www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Call us at 512-357-6137. Find us on Facebook at NHIHQ or on Twitter, NHI underscore news and at Instagram and Snapchat, NHI underscore news. Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network. Music by Andres Cotto.